Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick a tape in, hit the track, onwards! Episode 13, how the fuck are you? Team, it's been a while, you know? How are you? How's your 2020 going so far? Eh? 2020, man. This feels like, to me this year feels like the future. As in, we are, we're living in the future. Like, a, a, a fucking, a mad time, know what I mean? The, the whole thing is... When I was in primary school, we buried a time capsule to be dug up in the year 2020. And and then, when you were a wee dude, I remember thinking, 2020, like, no way, man. I'll be 36. Like, that's pure a fucking hundreds of years away. <laughs> and now here we are. 2020. No hoverboards. No, no teleportation. Ah... Uh, Chinese are still fucking ready to kick off, eh? Although, it's all happening around now. Eh, maybe we'll go on that later. Anyway, how has the start of your 2020 been? The last time we spoke, it was Christmas Day. Um, I hope you had a wonderful time. I hope Santa Claus was good to you. He was bloody good to me. Um, one of the best Christmases I have ever had. Um, the good lady and I were at home. Um, no stress, no worries, no travel, 
at home, eating cheese, having a bevy, eating good food, and enjoying the day, man, watching shit telly and drinking, exactly what Christmas is meant to be, so it was nice, man, I, and I got some fucking amazing presents, even at this age, you know, it's still, still good to get stuff, man, um, had a few surprises for the, for the little lady, which was nice, I thought she'd guessed everything, w- women are incredible, man, they have a, it's a sixth sense, seventh sense, a tenth sense, just an ability to, just to know everything, man, you know, but I could, I could tell by the reaction that there was one or two that caught her off guard, so I was pleased with that, I got my, finally got my Nintendo Switch, uh, which I have been craving for a long time, and Santa Claus brought me it, and let's just say, I've not lost my touch in the old Mario Kart, eh, never leaves you, never leaves you, but it was good, it was nice, Boxing Day more the same, chilling man, I had to work 27th through 29th and then work in Hogmanay, um, but that, that week this year felt worse than ever, the, the week between Christmas and New Year, now when you're a kid, that week is, is glorious man, right, because everybody's off, all your friends are off, you're in that Christmas vibe, you're playing with your presents, you know, that's one of the best weeks ever, and then there's almost an excitement because you're you're going back to school to tell maybe other school friends that you don't necessarily, are in your close group of friends, you know, you can get to see them and play with your toys and talk about shit and fucking run about and be a, be a wee guy, and then you get older. And you're maybe in your early 20s and it's still a good week because you're just getting bevied and fucking each other. You know, it's, it's a good week. You're going to... We used to go in, in uh, Christmas Eve. We used to go in Christmas Eve. We used to go to Fury, Murray's and Paisley. Fucking hell. Listening to some 80s classics. Getting drunk on one pound vodka mix. And then midnight would come, you'd be like, it's it's Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then you would go home and you'd wake up on Christmas Day, hung over to fuck. Hung over to fuck, man. But you knew there was a day of feasting coming your way, so you're going to soak up all that alcohol. And then you get even older. Some of you maybe start having kids, you know. Fuck. And that pressure of Christmas. I was in uh, Smith's toy shop, right, getting some stuff for the nieces, and I went to the one in Edinburgh, and I'm sure I've said this before, that Smith's is one of the worst shops in the world, right, they've, they've taken their, their, their store layout for fucking Morrison's, in the sense that the world's narrowest aisles, um, and it's floaty ceiling, you know, and I get it, so kids think it's fucking a magical world, right, where fucking toys come to life. I can remember thinking, like, there's was, there was a guy just walking around, stacked up, and his, obviously his missus, his wife, whatever's in front of him, just fucking, you know, what do we need to get, we need to get that, and just stacking fucking toys up, man, and this stuff ain't cheap, you know? Pressure of Christmas, man. It's getting to you. I also saw a thing of going, don't put yourself in debt for Christmas. That's what Christmas is! That's what Christmas is! Debt. Right? You buy shit you can't afford for people you probably aren't going to speak to the rest of the fucking year, you know? And there's always those one or two aunties or one or two cunts that continue to buy you something every fucking year and then you feel pressured to buy them something and all you do is exchange fucking Lynx Africa and you're like, guys, can we all just 
suggest that nobody buys presents, right? Okay? I don't particularly like you very much. You don't particularly like me very much. Somehow we're bonded by a loose connection through marriage or blood. I've got Wayne's. You've got Wayne's. Let's just fucking look after them and just calm ourselves down. Okay? That's what we should do. But we don't. People go out and buy all sorts of shit for everybody that doesn't need the presents. But this year was good, man. It was nice. It was chilled. It, was, it felt like a nice wee break. Um, and then, yeah, that week went a bit mad. It felt as if the whole fucking world shut down. I don't know if it's because the way dates fell this year or the way the calendar worked out, but it felt as if the whole world was on hold until the fucking 6th of January. Every every person I spoke to, um, I won't be back until the 6th of January, so I'll pick it up then. You're like, just fucking pay my invoice. I would have been more chilled over that week if cunts had just paid their invoices. The joys of being self-employed, eh? Even my missus was getting stressed out, man. You know, because it's quite that's quite a time to be off work. And then it gets to a point where you start to think, fuck, I'm going back to work now, man, so you're going to get stressed out. And there's also that bit, sometimes when you go on holiday, right, um, it, it doesn't feel as bad because you know there's going to be somebody there picking up the work but that week between Christmas and New Year when no cunt is in work right nobody's in your office but yeah even though the fucking the rest of the world is off right the rest of the UK anyway majority of them are off the same as you you'll still go back to like fucking 200 odd emails my missus thinks I was joking I used to go back whenever I went back to my work like for holiday or, or like Christmas, I would just delete everything. I'd just delete every email. I would I would go to that day and any emails that came in that morning, I would look at and the rest of them I'd fucking I'd delete all. I'd be like, if it's important, it'll come back. <laughs> I wonder why I was shite my job. <laughs> I was the shite my job. I was good at my job, man. I was just in a fucking I was the wrong fit for that industry. But I used to just delete them, fuck it. If it's important it'll come back. People put too much fucking focus and stress in these works, man. You know, I'm going to go back in. There's going to be 200 emails. You are for being cute, hen, right? Calm yourself, okay? You're in a call center for fucking a blind company. Calm down. It's no NASA, right? No the Ministry of Defence, okay? You work for a fucking call center. <laughs> anyway. I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you had a good New Year. What did you do, man? Did anybody do anything exciting? New Year's always a shite one. I find. I, I don't think I've ever had a good New Year. Uh, even when you're young. With one year, it was quite good with a party, and then somebody freaked out and just chucked us out of the house. That was a bit of a disaster. But the last fucking God knows how many years now, man. I, I always work. Do you know what I mean? I've always been working, hug money. It's just easy. Take a gig. Nine times out of ten, you get to go down south. You know, you've got a couple of days away. It's it's okay, money. It's nothing exciting, but it's you know, it's, it makes it worth your night anyway. Um, this year I was in Glasgow uh, at the Glee. Uh, managed to fly in, do my set, and fuck off. So that was nice. Um, but. It's an odd one, Hugmany, you know, especially, listen, this is the first time, the first year I've been in Edinburgh, um, and I've got to see all the fucking chaos that is 
the Hogmanay underbelly street part of here and um, I saw that if you if you live within the residential part of Princess Street, so like if you're in George Street or Rose Street, for example, and there is quite a lot of people there, you had to apply for fucking tickets to get into your own house. You know what I mean? You had to apply for permits to get into your own fucking house. <laughs> imagine, imagine getting knocked back for your own house because you've not got a fucking underbelly street party pass. They started to put these barriers up, like, like huge barricades. So when the party would begin, they were going to shut the barricades so people couldn't get any the kind of closed off parts of the street where the party was, right? And people were posting pictures like, you know, on the west side of the city, right? Life's future and hope and here. It's as if it's fucking Berlin, right? As if we've been divided up. But I think most Edinburgh people, or even most Scottish people, will only bother with the street party. Although, in saying that... Uh, I don't know if you saw the video, no, the fucking absolute tramp that was on the Princess Street party. So the, the, the news guy, right, and it's probably BBC Scotland or something, was just interviewing people who are there for the street. Now they phoned from all over the world. I did a gig on 29th, either 28th or 29th, and there was people for Russia, Russia and Portugal, who had came over to spend... Hug me in Edinburgh and they go to the street party. It's fucking, it's fucking insane, man. Do you think that there's cunts sitting in Russia who are going like, yo, we should go to Edinburgh? For, I don't know what accent it is, but you know, sitting in the house, eh? Couple of fucking stiff vodkas, a wee pot of borscht on the go. <laughs> and he sent his message, we should fucking go to Edinburgh for Hug me. So the guy's interviewing people and, eh, uh, interviewed this Asian guy and uh, it's two Asian people actually I don't know if they're together and he says um, are you enjoying you know Edmund he's like it is fantastic and the guy's English was fucking great and then he goes to speak to the I don't know if it's his power or another Asian woman and this fucking blonde tramp obviously she's Scottish Edinburgh fucking hipster wank just pushed in and mashed the woman's face put her hand right in her face pushed her away and was like, speak to me, speak to me, and then the guy just walked away, and I'm like, what a beautiful advert for fucking Edinburgh East Coast wanks that is. When did they do that to anybody else? Do you mean, do, do, to a wee timid Chinese Japanese tourist, when did they do that to anybody else, you know? Wouldn't they walk up to some fucking... Spanish woman in her 40s stressed out her box because she can't find her two wings and mush your hand in her face and go speak to me because she'd fucking flamenco you right in the neck. Honest to God, man. As soon as I saw it, I was like, fucking he'd butt. This needs, this needs to be the year, man. 2020, right? It's feel, there's, there's a good vibe in there, man, right? I know there's a lot of shit happening in the world now. Fucking Australia's on absolute meltdown, man. What the fuck is going on there? Australia is on meltdown. Trump's wanting a war with Iran. But it, it feels as if we're in, we're in a kind of new era, man, right? And I don't know if it's like a new decade kind of thing, but it, it does feel as if we're starting to kind of shift away from that, you know, that kind of lefty, kind of soft, snowflakey, kind of cancel people look kind of vibe. It does, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But it's starting to feel as if people are taking a wee bit more kind of control back and going, oh, I can't be fucking bothered with this anymore, you know? 
This has got to be the thing for 2020. I've been saying it for fucking months now. Cunts be cunting. Cunts be cunting. And they'll never change. A cunt is a cunt from fucking day dot to day end. Fact. So when you're getting all these people going, oh, you know, they just have to stop. And why can't we all just... Here, listen, why don't you just shut up? Okay? How's about that? How's about you shut up? I've got enough of my fucking plate without worrying about upsetting ball bags anymore. 2020, man. It's time we fucking bring this shit back into the centre. Toughen people up. Bye. New Year. One thing that, that got me was the, the first footing thing. Somebody asked me about first footing. And I wasn't really sure about it. I knew I know it was a kind of Scottish thing. And I know when I was young, we used to go to my grand's for a hug money, right? Because your mum was going out or whatever. So you need somebody to look after you. And we would get sent out to be first footing. And you'd have to bring something. So you'd, you'd, you'd be given, like, money. Coins. Always had to be coins. Pound coins. And uh, like a bit of shortbread or something like that. Then you had to stand outside... And then when the bells came, you, you had to fucking come in and you were the first person in the house you might have bring. You might have bring luck or something like that. Fuck knows. But that, that was the thing, man. I think I think that's it. I don't know if it's just a Scottish thing or I don't I don't think it's an English thing. I don't think I don't think they do it in England. But I know that it was maybe like you know, a tall, dark, handsome man. I don't know, you're a fucking seven year old, but I think that's the thing. You're meant to you're meant to go out. Or the first person to come into the house after the bells is meant to bring you good luck or some shit. But you've you've got to bring something with you. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure money was no like fucking there's fifty grand, right? It was this was an early people's postcode lottery. But I think you had to bring like a, a coin or something or a bit of shot. I always remember a bit of shortbread is what we were given. And we'd be sent out the back door and told to walk around the front and then chat the door. And my granny would go, oh, who's this? Uh, it's fucking us. <laughs> it's us, Agnes, we're freezing. And you'd come in and you'd be the first footer. And then you'd go to your bed because you were fucking seven. You're shattered. And you never understood what online excuse was. Bye. I hope you had a good new year, man. I hope you had I hope you had fun. I hope you didn't get too drunk. Have you made any resolutions uh, this year? Have I made any resolutions? More so... More so work commitments than resolutions. Um, obviously, I need to get healthy, right? I know that. I need to get healthy. I need to lose weight. I need to get fitter. That's not a resolution, man. That's just that's just life. That's just fact, right? I don't need a date and a calendar or a, or a turn of a, a decade to tell me that I need to get healthier. That is just, that's life, right? That's my bowels telling me, hey, big man. Time to ease up on the carbs and the fucking processed food. <laughs> that needs to be the thing for 2020, man. Or just, or just life in general. It's just fucking shift some of that timber and get a bit healthier, man. I'm no, I'm never going to sign up for like a 10k or a fucking half marathon or something like that because, I'm, hey, I'm no one of those guys, man. I'm no one of those guys. I've got a personality. I'm too cool for that shit. It's not going to be me, right? It's not going to be me. But, need to get back, man. Need to get back, need to get the fucking old biceps moving. Old triceps. The quads. Start building that fucking onion. <laughs> I want to have an arse on me like a fucking Mexican swimsuit model. By Christmas 2020. <laughs>
So yeah, then you get back to the old fucking jamboree, man. Start building that onion. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Um, over Christmas as well, we had the Amazon Prime Football Spectacular. I'm sure many of you will have seen that. Uh, hopefully that becomes a regular thing, because that was fucking tremendous, man. Sitting every fucking game at your fingertips. Oh, it was like living in the future. You're telling me Sky Sports can't broadcast the game on a Saturday afternoon? But fucking Amazonia Prime can do whatever the fuck they want. That's what we need, man. We need a bit of that in our lives. But yeah, get in touch. Tell me what you're up to. Tell me how you've been. I hope you had a good fucking Christmas and a good New Year team. And it's good to be back, man. We've got a fair few things planned with the podcast. Um, the episodes are going to be every Wednesday from now on. Um, it's just easier for me with travel. Um, I have broken my laptop. Um, so we're doing everything on the big fucking Mac, uh, which means I, I kind of really edit it until I get home. So Wednesdays uh, is going to be podcast day from now on every week. Um, the podcast will drop on a Wednesday. And usual, get in touch, man, if you want to ask a question or whatever on the show. I will always post up when I'm recording as well. But on Facebook, Scott Gibson Comedy, Instagram and Twitter, it's at Big Scott Gibson. Uh, make sure you follow all those pages and go to the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk, sign up to the mailing list. For lots of different things, it's going to be dropping throughout 2020, man. It's hopefully going to be a big year for me. I'm planning a few things. We're going to be recording a couple of shows. Um, there's some there's some things in the pipeline that if, they, if it can all come together, it'll be good, man. Um, so yeah, watch out for that. Cut of things to plug up front before we get into the fucking meat of this beast. Um, tour dates have dropped for 2020. We kick off uh, the White Noise Tour um, for this year in East Kilbride at the Arts Centre on the 25th of January. Um, so if you are in or near East Kilbride, come along. If you were at East Kilbride last year for the other tour, um, I, I hope he's come back, man, because East Kilbride was one of the best uh, stops on the tour last year. That was the one when the fucking tour manager kept running out of the stage and went to go and stick him in the box office. Fucking... I don't even know how he done it. The, the green room to the the theatre is it's right next to the theatre in the sense that there's a there's a fire exit um, at one side of the theatre which leads into the green room. But to get from the green room to the stage, you've got to walk through this kind of back corridor system and can kind of come all the way around behind the theatre, and then you come into like where all the kind of I don't know mechanism stuff is like for the curtains and that, and then you walk through a wee sideway and you're in you're behind the curtain and you're on. And I had left him in the green room, um, came on, you know, did the intro, walked out, got a nice, nice applause, and then a fucking, a roar. Now, I, I know I'm, I know I'm good, right? I know I'm one of the best comics in Scotland, if not the UK. In fact, fuck it, it is, it's the UK. I'm one of the best in the UK, right? Live. You come and see one of my shows, it's fucking dynamite. There I said it, right? New year, new me, okay? 2020, no more holding back. No more bullshit. I have seen some of the people who are on tour and they are fucking garbage, right? So, well done you for sitting through that shit. But if you come and see your old dad, I am fucking one of the best. But I also know my standing within level of fame and, and level of people who know me, right? So I know a lot of the times when, when I'm doing tour shows, maybe half of the audience have been to see me before or 
and probably the other half has maybe been brought along with them, right? Because I always say, if if you're coming, bring a friend, man, right? Bring bring a, a you know another couple with you who've maybe no heard of me or no seen me, and we'll try and build the following organically, right? The way it should be done. But that time when I walked out in school bride, the fucking the roar for the crowd, man, and even in my head I went, what the fuck? Is my cock out? What's happening here, right? There's no way this. And I turned around, and the tour manager had followed me out onto the fucking stage. No, I I obviously sent him away, and he went. He couldn't get behind the curtain because it's a big heavy like fire curtain thing. Couldn't get behind it, so I lifted the curtain up, and he went behind the curtain. Then I tried to start again, and then there was a laughter and a little room, and he'd stuck his paws through the bottom of the curtain, and then his head, and then he came back out again. And then I put him in the green room through the fire, though, and he walked all the way back around and came back out the curtain again. And then we had to, we had to just physically take him and carry him out of the box office. And the, I remember the woman's face. She was like, oh, that wee dog. But then in her head, she's like, how the fuck is a dog? Because she never saw us when we came in, because right? we came in the back door. Why is there a dog in, in this situation? So I says, look, this is my dog. He keeps escaping out of the theatre. Can you look after him? So she loves him. Gave him a wee bowl of water. They were best pals by the end of it. But yes, that was East Coast Bride. So if you want to come to East Coast Bride, please do so. It's a fucking, it's a great, it's a great, great night. It's a, it's a beautiful wee venue as well. But East Coast Bride Arts Centre, January 25th is the first date on the tour. Uh, tickets for that are available from East Coast Bride Arts Centre's website or go to my website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. After East Coast Bride, we are in Barfields Theatre in Largs on February 7th and then February 23rd up north to our broth to Webster's Theatre, which is also a stunning theatre as well. So that's the first three of the new year. January 25th, East Coast Bride Arts Centre, February 7th, uh, Web Barfields Theatre in Largs and February 23rd, Webster's Theatre in our broth. Get on the website, get your tickets and I will see you in the battlefield. Why do, I, why do I always start each bit with a pure sharp and take a breath? Like, <gasps> as if I'm going to fucking sing Nessundorma. Nessundorma. That was actually fucking... Hi. Your old dad's got pipes. Just back um, from Cardiff. Was in a lovely wee weekend in Cardiff. Nice. Do you know what? Perfect way to start the year, man. Uh, that was my first gig back, 3rd and 4th of January. And it was a good start to the fucking year, man. Because you just need a nice gig to ease you in. A uh, nice weekend. I love fucking gigging in Cardiff, man. I don't know if it's like the Celtic thing. Scottish, Welsh. But it's just the, the sense of humour's just bang on, man. You know? And, uh it does help when you're on with maybe not necessarily the best acts before you and you know that you're going to kill it when you go on at the end uh, it was an odd one man because I just assumed it's the only time I've done it and I felt kind of bad at the time but I managed to kind of do it without anybody realising I just assumed I was emceeing uh, hosting the gig because that's a lot of the time that's what I'm doing in, in Cardiff and uh, I was kind of buzzing about, and, and Jared Christmas is a, a wonderful fucking comic man, and a good mate of mine, he was opening, um, so I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, or why they've got you opening, man, I thought he would have been headlining, but, so I'm kind of just buzzing about, and I'm like, right, fucking hell, and I went, oh, Jared, you're on first, right, fuck's it, okay, here we go, and then one of the other acts went, uh, kind of walked towards the, the kind of corridor bit, where we go on the stage, and I just happened to glance at the at the lineup on the wall at the last minute. I went, fucking hell, right, I'm closing and they're MCing. So luckily I never made 
you know, I've seen or made anybody in, in, in Barris kind of thing, but great weekend, man, great gig. Also, uh, a mate of mine, Lloyd Griffiths, who, if you don't know, he used to be one of the hosts in Soccer Aim, he's a fucking great comic man, he's just a good guy, you know, he's a fucking sound, sound guy. Um, he is supporting Jack Whitehall on his tour, and they were in Cardiff as well at the weekend, so I met up with Lloyd on Saturday and got to hang out with him for a wee bit, went for some lunch, it was nice. Uh, it was fucked, man. He's absolutely burning a candle at both ends. Is old Lloydy, eh? Busy boy, He's working away, partying hard as you should. You only live once, um, and yeah, went to see, went to see the show on Saturday afternoon. They were doing a matinee show, man. Fuck, I tell you what, that is some, that's some fucking run if you can get it, you know. Doing an evening show, Friday and Saturday, four thousand people. And then a matinee show on the Saturdays went on to about three and a half thousand people. Fucking hell, man. But aye, uh, I've met I've met Jack a few times. I've gigged him once before in London. He's a nice guy, man. He's sound he's he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. Um I'm just not a particular fan. It's not I'm not a, I'm not a fan, right? Let's just say I'm not a fan of his comedy. I just feel like The basics are there to be a decent comic, but he f- falls short on a few things. That that's all. That's all I feel. Um, and I think that if you are at the level that Jack Whitehall's at, when you're 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 probably more an actor than a comic. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to get to that level of being a, a true great comedian unless you're fully invested in it. Some of the stuff he was talking about was, uh, you know, if you're if you're a fan of it and you like that stuff, you'll love the show, right? And it's a full production. There's a big fucking huge big opening and a big song and dance number. Then it's an amazing production. Man, Lloyd was telling me the, the dancers they've got for the whole tour, the fucking money they're spending on that is insane, man, insane. And it's a full rigging. Like I went in, we're hanging out for a bit. Uh, Lloydie's opening, so I went out to watch Lloydie opening, and then came back in, we're having a coffee, went upstairs into the fucking Motor Point Arena place, and they've got a full travelling chef with them, man, like a full setup. it's like a proper, it's like a band going on to them, do you know what I mean? Every support that I have done in the past for, like, big comics, you know, it's me driving, they're in a the car, you pick them up, we drive them, you know, you get a fucking Nando's, some places they'll put you on a few sandwiches. You're in the hotel, you move on to the next place. This is like a this is like a fucking rock band, man. You know, ten backing dancers, two support acts, full crew, tour buses, one of bagels, fucking travelling chefs. It was insane, man. It was fuck it was fucking insane. But it was cool. It was very cool. I'm gonna be honest, it was very cool to see it hang out and uh hang out with Jack for a bit and it was nice, man. It was, a, it was a good weekend, but one thing I was laughing at, so the, all the boys are fucked, right? They're, they're, they're dying in their ass, man. They're feeling like shit, right? And um, the tour manager <laughs> is a fucking, he's a geezer, man, right? Sound. He basically was trying to look for a nurse to come and give them all the vitamin jags, right? Trying to give them this, like, B12 injection or whatever the fuck it is, right? Just to boost all their immune systems or whatever. So the fucker's gone online. Now... You, you don't look for a nurse online, right? I imagine if you were to Google 
nurses and like needles you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get fucking you're gonna get a dominatrix right you're gonna get a dominatrix that's what you're gonna get if you want a nurse like an actual medical professional nurse fucking phone booper do you know what i mean you drop nearly 400 grand on backing dancers you can afford a fucking private hospital i'm sure they've got private healthcare right phone booper or phone some fucker in Harley Street, London, and go, here, I need somebody discreet to come and jag these boys in the ass. They will send you somebody. So, as they're telling me this, in my head, I'm going, some woman is going to rock up here, put you lot in handcuffs, and just fucking jag your ass. Like, this isn't going to be real. And then he showed me pictures of the woman who's got a Facebook profile. Now, <laughs> I mean, alarm bells are ringing. Also, she had a private Reggie plate. I remember that, that spelled out nurse. Now, what nurse has a private Reggie plate that spells nurse? So, picture the scene. Two magic comes out of the room and he says, She's here, right? So, obviously, we're like school kids, we're giggling, right? We want to know what's going on. The woman is about maybe five foot five, old dolly bird, I'd say late 50s, right? Long blonde hair, leather, leather skirt, and a black, sheer see through top on. That's what she's wearing. <laughs> and she is there to give them all vitamin injections. Now, she's not got, like, a first aid bag or, like, a doctor's bag. She's just got a bag, like a fucking, you know, like a makeup bag. Just, like, people who are talking. Look like she was a makeup artist. That's what she's like. We roll her bag in. She's been in this back room, and she's there all dolled up, getting her fucking needles out to go and jack them on the bum. I was like, this is not... This is not right, man. This is definitely going to appear on the front page of the papers. Jack Whitehall tour orders dominatrix for needle play. <laughs> oh, but it was good. It was good to hang out. I've not seen Lloyd for a while, man. And uh, it was good to see the show. It was good to see that kind of level of production as well. It was nice. There's a couple of bits that were really good in it, but a few bits again, I just felt... It's, Evan just came a wee bit short and I'm going... Just go a wee bit darker, you know, a bit harder on that. It would have been fucking really funny. And again, like, I don't know if it's a, a an English thing or a British thing, but we we don't really seem to like it when people do well or people are successful. And I know some people say that's rubbish, that's bollocks, but we we don't we don't like it. You know, we like to get people to a certain level and then fucking knock them down. Uh, that's what people do to celebrities in this country. And I, I don't have any interest in. Someone at Jack's level, pretending that he goes to Lidl, or pretending that he goes to Nando's. I don't care about that, because I know it's not real, you know? He must have some amazing stories for Hollywood. Some amazing stories. And he must have stories about situations where we will not only never experience, but couldn't even comprehend, and that's the stuff I'd love to hear him talk about. But maybe, again, it's a British thing that, you know, the punters just don't want to hear that. They want to hear a caricature of itself. I don't know. But it was a nice weekend in Cardiff. I'll just fucking snap my pen. Fuck me. Nice weekend in Cardiff. Uh, hopefully get back there soon. I really need to get a tour show down to Cardiff, man. I really need to get a tour show down there. I think that would sell well. It's just trying to get... It's just trying to get a room that's a good size. Because the Glee's fucking, like, 400. It's far too big. I mean, I'm confident. But I'm not that confident. You know what I mean? But yes, lovely wee weekend, uh, Mr. Griffiths and uh, Jack Whitehall. Um, if you are, look, check out Lloyd Man, follow him on all the socials. He's going on tour February uh, and March, I think, this year. 
Um, so if you get a chance, the only Scottish date I think he's doing is Glasgow, um, at the Glasgow Glee. So if you get a chance uh, to go and see Lloyd, go and see him. I, I think it's March 17th, but I don't know for sure. But uh, Google it and check it out. Lloyd Griffiths and get along and see him, man. He's fucking dynamite. Right, let's do a wee listener's question, shall we, for 2020. Thanks to everybody who got in touch. Um, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Um, let's jump in, man. On Twitter, Steve-O has asked, uh, with Brexit and the looming threat of World War 3, who is in your celebrity apocalypse five-man death squad? And where are you heading when it goes sideways? Steve-O, fucking great question, big man. Obviously, where are you going? You're not going to Australia for a start, right? What a fucking sorry state of affairs that country is in. I sort now, people are bombarding their social media with images and pictures of pretty horrific scenes in Australia and I think first of all everyone's everyone who's human or everyone who's just a, a good person right your your thoughts are with people who risk their lives to try and fight these fires I I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to be surrounded by that kind of horror and that, that force of violence and run towards it and feel as if somehow you can do something to stop it. There's a there's an awful an awfully terrifying way in which fire moves, you know, so so quickly. And it must be horrific to be, not only be in the situation where you have potentially lost everything. You know, you've lost your home, you've lost friends, you've lost your your belong. you've literally lost everything. But also, at the same time, it must be terrifying for those people who are being evacuated. And you don't know if you are ever going to return to your, to your home, you don't know if you're going to return to it and it's, you know, it's gone. You don't know if you're going to return and it's still there. So it must be horrifying. We are such a distance away. We're so detached from it. And the other side of it, or the other thing that I was kind of thinking about is I'm getting a bit sick and tired of people who are posting these really horrible pictures of all the animals who have been burnt. We've all seen the one of the, the wee wallaby trapped in the fence and it looks as if he's trying to escape and he's just completely burnt out. I'm noticing a lot of people, certainly on my social media feeds, who, who have subsequently been unfollowed or muted. People are posting this stuff for shock value, you know, with their own rhetoric attached to it. And there's an argument that unless these images get out there, nothing really can get done. But I, I feel as if there's a lot of still, you know, the old keyboard warriors out there, where people will post a lot of stuff with, with no real intention of actually giving a fuck or wanting to do anything about it, you know? They just want to continue to be seen as though they're on the right side of history or as they're, in, they're involved with the good guys. 
I know one person who, over the last week, just constantly, 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 constantly posting this stuff over and over and over again. And you think, what what are you doing? What are you doing about it? Now, what what can you do about it? I've no idea. I've no idea. We we continue to do the same thing that we always do. Uh, and that we we throw money at it. We've already seen some of the millions that have been raised so far from people donating and donations coming from all over the world. Um, what can money do? I don't know. Short term, it can probably help a great deal, maybe relocation or, or rehoming some people, but I think the situation that the world's in just now, I think we are beyond just throwing money at the situation. And I think something has to be done. What that is, I, I don't know. But it also feels as if we're at the point where it looks as if Australia's going to be... You're going to be unable to live in it pretty soon. If they ever do get these fires under control, is it just a matter of time until it happens again next summer? I've no idea. But uh, as we descend into a fiery pit of hell with America... Bombing the guy in Iraq. Uh, well, I mean, that's terrifying as well. A fucking drone strike. There's a, there's a, a cunt, a, a geek, right? Some guy who's like a Fortnite regional champion sitting in a fucking steel container at the Pentagon where an Xbox controller has just blown a guy up. I was listening to a, a thing on, on the radio talking about the intelligence that the Americans had in order to bring this guy down because... Not only did they um, did they know that he was going to be flying from uh, the airport that he was flying from, they knew which vehicle in the convoy he was in. Um, and then someone told me that he was identified by a ring that he was wearing on his finger. That's how they identified him. So the, f- the guy had been fucking blown up so much that all they could identify him with was, was a ring on a finger to confirm that that was him in the car. So they're saying that the, the intelligence that they've managed to, to get from somewhere um, is what's pissed the Iranians off so much, as well as obviously the the death. Because to know that he was flying from there, you know, there, there would have been hardly anyone have known that, and then to have known which convoy he was in as well out of the three. But that's terrifying to think that somebody just, you know, somebody can just press fucking up, down, A, B, C, X, boom, you're gone. Also mad to think that the Americans can blow somebody up with a drone strike tens of thousands of miles away, but my fucking Apple Maps can he get to me to a hotel in fucking Northampton without taking me on to fucking six or seven different wrong streets. Sort yourself out, Apple. But if you are assembling a five-man fucking death squad that's going to take you through the apocalypse and hopefully lead you the other way. Now... What we're doing here, Steve-O, is it, is it me plus five? Or does it mean four? I'm going to say if it's a five-man death squad, I'm part of the death squad. So it's four guys. Four celebrities. Straight off the bat, I'm going to want The Rock. Okay? He's going to have good banter. He's going to be good for morale. And he can fucking handle himself. Okay? There's, there's number one, Right? Number one seat in the fucking, the death copter, The Rock, a.k.a. 
Dwayne Johnson, right? He's there. <sighs> See, now that, there's your offense right now. I mean, what are you looking for? You're, you're going to need a, you're going to need a Bear Grylls character, right? But do you want to go Bear Grylls? Who's the other cunt? Who's the other one with uh, these fucking boys hanging out? Who was that one? <laughs> Who was that guy? Remember fucking uh, Bob Mortimer used to do a sketch about him where he would scoot down these wee fucking shorts and he's nuts like we're <laughs> Wait, I need to Google this guy, man. What is his name? Right, it's no, it's no Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls. Uh... Ray Mears, Ray Mears, right? Fuck your Bear Grylls, he's a mad Bible basher. I don't need that shit, right? We're beyond fucking religion, okay? Iran has launched nukes on America, nukes of... America's launched a nuke on China, China's fucking bombed every cunt. Australia's on fire, this is the Apocalypse Death Squad, right? It's me, The Rock, Ray Mears. <laughs> what a fucking band of brothers this is. Ray Mears... With the tan shorts, with the fucking ginger bollock hanging out, getting his grubs, building his tents, right? He's the fucking, he's the man, okay? Ray Mears. So we get the rock, offense, right? Sheer muscle, raw brute force up front. Ray Mears, okay? The man on the ground, keeping his fuck, keeping us alive in the apocalypse. Now you get two left, two places left. What do you go for, man? Do you put a woman in there? Do you put a woman in there just to kind of balance, balance out the vibe of the camp? But who do you go for, you know? I mean, you want somebody that can, that can also, because that's the thing, it's going to, it can't just be, you're going to stick, I want Lindsay Peelis in there, you know, because she's nice to look at. You don't want that. You know, you need somebody that, that can cover a few bases. You're probably going to have to go with a Serena Williams, you know? A mother in her own right, so she can she can mother the group when we need that kind of that wholesome vibe. But she's a fucking tank, man. You know, she can cut down trees, fucking shift logs, kill zombies. Fuck it, Serena's in there, right? That's it. Mix it up, man. Okay, you've got me, The Rock, Ray Mears, and Serena Williams. There's your four at your five. Who's number five, man? Who is number five on the five man? Death Squad, post-apocalypse, killing unit. Who is number five? Oh, it's a difficult one, man. Because again, what do you do? Do you go, do you go offense? Do you go defense? You've got Ray Mears in there. Boom, Bill Gates. Bill fucking Gates, the OG. Forget your Steve Jobs, right? Let that fucking nugget spin in his grave. That battery life fucking sap cunt let him spin his grave bill gates man the fucking og one right big brain cunt nosy stuff okay he's going to be building your computers out of fucking bush trees uh, he's going to be using like fucking you make your wind turbine oh there's nothing this man can do right him and fucking ray Mears together match made in heaven okay they're saying to rock and serena listen get us this get us that we'll build a utopia i'm loving this okay and then eventually when it settles down, the cunt's gonna have fucking a hundred million billion in the bank. But get us all delivery, fucking bail us all out. Steve O, 
Great question, mate, right? And I'm telling you right now, that is your ultimate five-man death squad for when the apocalypse comes. It's your old da, fucking Big Gibble, Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Serena Williams, Ray Mears, and Bill Gates. What a fucking unit that is, man. What a unit. Imagine that coming over the hill, approaching the compound. Everybody all fucking camouflaged up, man, with a black fucking paint on. Who the fuck is that coming? That's the fucking ultimate death squad, mate. Led by fucking Big Gibble, The Rock, Serena Williams, Ray Mears, Bill Gates. <laughs> I'm getting excited about this now. That is the way to go, man. That's, that's, that's every eventuality, every base covered within those four fucking powerhouses. And you're all da. Steve-O, fucking great question, mate. Great question. Who would be in your death squad? Yourself plus four. Who is it? Or are you going to go wild and just go, do you know what? I'm going to enjoy my last few days. I'm going to put four hot birds in there. Or maybe you're going to live out your fantasy and put in fucking four hot guys. I don't know. It's your death squad. It's your death squad. You do what you want, man. I can't make a decision for you. All I can tell you is my death squad will kick fuck out your death squad. <laughs> Steve-O, great question, mate. Right, let's do another question. Um, this one is from Facebook. Uh, Ian Bowie. Ian, thanks for getting in touch, Roman. Ian has asked, uh, Chick Murray, is he up there with the comedy greats? And that's a very simple one. Yes, he is. Um, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this will know who Chick Murray is. If you don't, uh, Chick Murray, obviously a Scottish comic. Um, he is he's one of the fucking greats, man. He's an icon, and I don't know if... Often I think about these guys, and, and it amazes me when I think how successful Connolly is. Now, to me, Connolly's, Connolly's God, right? He's the fucking top of my comedy tree, and everything filters off him. But when you think of how... how shite we are in Scotland at promoting their talent, or actually getting behind our own our own acts, our own comics, our own musicians, our own artists, and promoting them to the world. We're awful at it. We're fucking awful at it. And it almost appears sometimes in every television show when you watch, if it's like some reality bullshit or some fucking panel show or some shite, that it's the dregs of Scottish society that make it on there. They appear the dead behind the eye, fame hunger. And we have some incredible talent in this country. And sadly, we continue to push an awful lot of shit. Whether that be across comedy, music, theatre, film, even, even things like novelists, writers. Some of the people who are being pushed as great current Scottish writers is fucking, is garbage, man. It's garbage. It's all cleverly marketed bullshit. And we have real greats in this country. We have people like Chick Murray, Ricky Fulton, you know, even Gregor Fisher. Now, Gregor Fisher's obviously known for Rab C. Nesbitt, but the work that he did with Ricky Fulton, incredible, man. 
They're incredible stuff. And and more people should be aware of the work. Even people like Dave Allen. There will, there will be a lot of people who don't know who Dave Allen is. Or have never seen his stuff, you know. And it, I, I think it's also quite interesting that when we talk about these guys, like, for example, Chick Murray, Ricky Fulton, Dave Allen, take those three, for example, right? Those are three men. Those are three older men. You know, men who are in the their the older stages who are incredible craftsmen. Wonderful performers. Years and years and years experience. And yet now the focus is on youth. The focus is on telling someone, oh, they're 18 or they're 20. You know, or they've only been doing comedy two years. Well, what the fuck are you doing near a television? It's so fucked up. It's so wrong. It's wrong currently what we push out there. And it's wrong that someone like Chick Murray isn't better represented currently. And people will say, well, you can't continue to look at the past and you've got to look look to the future and look to the, to the present and see what's out there. But what's the point in peddling shite when you have got greats like Chick Murray, Ricky Fulton, you know, Reverend I Am Jolly, what a fucking character, what a character, still to this day funny, maybe a few of the things you might need to change because you don't want to upset people, but still, still hilarious, still hilarious, one word, hello, that was it, he would say one word and that was you in, that was you laughing on one word. Hello. How many people now could control a room, control a TV show, a whole family sitting at home watching with one word? Nobody. Nobody could. You watch these stand-up shows now or, or, you know, these mixed things, and it's all fucking bells and whistles. They all come dancing out and it's big and it's like, hey, yeah. Because there's nothing there, there's, not, there's nothing there. They don't know who they are, they don't, they don't want to show their personality, you know, they don't want to show the real them, so they, they show this falseness, this bullshit. This friendly for TV. And you'd something as simple as, Reverend I am Jolly, fade from black to a man sitting in a chair. Hello. And then we do a monologue. Beautiful monologue. Chick Murray's amazing. Um, I didn't realise, I've got the, the Wikipedia page up here. It says that in 2005 he was named the Comedian's Comedian. There's no further writing than that. I don't know who... I don't know who nominated that, but if that's true, then I think that's fantastic. Charles Thomas McKinnon, a.k.a. Chick Murray. And it says he died in 1985, 29th of January, 1985. Now again, what would stop the BBC or BBC Scotland putting together a package, you know, every January? For a Chick Murray night. You know, looking back at, at the old greats and the stand-up game. But no one seems to be interested in that bullshit. Um, but there you go. Uh, Ian, great question, mate. Great shout. Uh, somebody who who we should look out for more. Because I'm pretty confident there'll still be stuff on YouTube, old Chick Murray clips. And you got to think about it. If, if Connolly used to talk about Chick Murray with fondness... And love telling his stories or his bits. You know, you've got to look at the people who you admire. Who do they admire? Who inspires them? 
and that can kind of lead on there. And if you've never watched any Chick, Mur- Chick Murray stuff, then I suggest you go and give it a wee check out on Facebook. But yes, is Chick Murray uh, one of the comedy greats? He is, Ian. He is indeed. Uh, in my opinion, he is anyway. And I, I think that Ricky Fulton's up there. And for me, anyway, as a storyteller, Dave Allen is someone who I very much uh, admire his work and look at. But Chick Murray, definitely one of not only Scotland's greats, but one of the greats in comedy. Definitely. Great shout, mate. Right, let's uh, let's look at some news, shall we? Let's look at some news items. As always, um, it's, it's, hey, it's a bumper time of year for news. Now, we have spoken about Australia. We've spoken loosely about the the Americans um, going absolutely mad and starting World War Three. And do you know what? What better way to be re-elected um, in your second term as a fucking nut job president than to start World War Three? So you you've got you know you've got to take your hat off to fucking Donald Trump and say, "Well done, you mad orange bastard." Huh? I'm sure there's many Celtic fans out there who thought that an orange bastard would destroy the world one day, but it's not the one you thought. It's a fucking permatan president. But we're going to stay clear of those news uh, stories because if you if you want that kind of news, you turn on the news, you turn on your radio, and it's there for you. We are going to look at the the news items that should be in the front page that necessarily slip through the cracks of modern journalism. But thankfully, there is a there is a net. There is a nylon sieve that gathers up all the shit news stories from the fucking bampots across the globe and puts them neatly into a digestible page. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Metro. Yes, it's a free newspaper and it's free because it's fucking bollocks. So we are going to look at some of the wonderful news stories that are in the Metro today. So let's do it. Play the jingle. Today's headlines. Cat breaks into prison. How to survive the apocalypse. Husband pranks wife with tattoo. mean once again eh top fucking journalism right here very apt as well after the recent question from Steve-O um, cat breaks into prison how to survive the apocalypse and husband pranks wife with tattoo I mean let's just get fucking straight in there right I know he's a sit you're salivating you're going big man give me the fucking news here we go number one news story a cat has broken into a prison. Cat breaks into prison and gets stuck on 25-foot fence. Whoa, it's taking a sharp left turn. Um, Curio... Oh, here we fucking go, right? Straight away, man. Straight away they're in. This is by Faye Brown. Faye, your parents are embarrassed. Here we go. Faye, she doesn't even give you a teaser. She just goes fucking straight in with the big hitters on line one. Curiosity almost killed a cat. Come on, Faye! Yes! That's the type of shit that you went to university for for fucking five years to be a top journalist. 
to hit it with fucking curiosity almost killed a cat. When it broke into a prison only to get stuck on a 25 foot fence. The cat looks fucked. They've got a before and after picture and the cat has seen some shit, man. The cat looks as if it's done time. The RSPCA say they have no idea how Padfoot uh, the cat came to be so far inside Her Majesty's Haverig in Cumbria, let alone climb up a razor wire fence because the cat's got an arse full of fucking cat. The feline was rescued on December 21st in time for Christmas after staff and inmates spotted it prowling around the facility. <laughs> you just imagine some poor bastard in his cell Maybe he's on antipsychotic medication. There's a fucking cat out there, Franco. Shut it, Barry. Mate, there's a cat out there. Here, officer. Screw. Mate, I can see a cat stuck in that fence. Rescued in the 21st of December. Me- uh, members of the animal rescue charity used ladders and a pole to guide Padfoot to safety, revealing he almost fell three times before he was brought to land. RSPCA Inspector Martin Fletcher said, I have no idea how he managed to get so far inside the prison and get so high up the fence. He was unable to move precariously on the top of the fence, but this meant walking on a razor wire. Oh my God. He nearly fell three times, but managed to grasp the wire and pull himself to safety. The poor wee cat was so scared and reluctant to be rescued, it took a lot of patience, some ladders and a reach and rescue pole to be able to bring him to safety. Padfoot was taken to the vet for a minor injuries. Sorry, Padfoot was taken to the vet for minor injuries before being reunited with his owners just in time for Christmas. In the meantime, Mr. Fletcher looked after him to save him spending the festive season in a shelter. He said he's such a lovely cat. I don't want to put him into a cattery over Christmas and New Year, so I took him home with me where he could chill out for the f- chill out for the festivities but luckily the owners made contact the next day after hearing what had happened from their neighbours there you go Padfoot uh, recovered from the jail many years ago we did uh, gigs myself Big Gary Little in Berlini uh, stand up gigs and there's a cat in Berlini a cat kicks about fucking the ground just walks about cat now i don't know if this is an ex-convict who has been reincarnated as a cat and feels at home there don't know but i imagine that must be a bit of a kick in the balls as well if you're in there doing 20 years and there's a cat coming in and out every night you're going how can that cat escape that can he but yes there was a cat in berlin a black cat looks a little bit like panfoot maybe it is i don't know oh for fuck's sake but there you go uh cat breaks into prison it's stuck in a 20 foot, 25 foot fence, thankfully rescued. Next story, how to survive the apocalypse according to British preppers. Obviously, I'm assuming this is doomsday preppers. Now, this story is by, it's an exclusive as well, an exclusive story for the Metro by Harrison Jones. A new name to the ball baggery of journalism. Um, we read on. Preppers are often seen as tinfoil hat wearing members of a doomsday cult. But many have celebrated Christmas just like the rest of us while keeping one eye out for impending disaster. They'll be quite happy with the disaster that's coming their way so early in the new year. 
Their survivalist movement is broad enough to include those who build up provisions for a minor power cut through to through through to those who build nuclear bunkers, stockpile secret weapons, dildo, and make detailed plans for living beyond the apocalypse. Detailed plans. What, what would that be? Plan number one. Live. <laughs> now these self, self-identifying preppers, people who prepare for major emergencies have told metro.co.uk how they ready themselves for flu pandemics, water shortages, natural disasters and more. We asked each of them to tell us why ordinary Brits should follow their lead. First up, John Hughes, 44. I'm going to say either divorcee or a single father because John looks like he's seen a lot. John looks like the type of guy, now I've not read anything about John, but John looks like the type of guy who went to the TA tried to get to the army so that he could kill people with a different colour of skin than him and he was rejected from the TA but has continued to keep up his training and occasionally has a march with the EDL. Uh, John Hughes, 44. Gym worker. Mm-hmm. John Hughes admits his prepping is seen by some as elitist and others as barking mad. But the former serviceman... Oh, my God! The former serviceman... I'm, I'm telling you! I'm fucking psychic, man. I might not have many skills, but I'm telling you right now, you think I'm talking shit? I can look at a cunt, and then in 30 seconds, just by looking at him, I know if you're a fucking ball bag or no. And I am 100% right every time. I looked at this guy's picture, he looks like a fucking daft army ball bag, and boom, there he is. Ex-serviceman. Originally from Harvardford West in Wales. He's Welsh. He's out in the valleys. Modern sheep, killing his granny. But John is all set for any number of circumstances um, from his hill-topped home in Mould. There you go. Um, I don't know precisely. I joined the army in 1991 and it teaches you to prepare literally for everything. But for actual placing preparations down, I would say I started in early 2015. I've also done a course in the military to evade, resist and extract, along with many survival and bushcraft courses. Some of my prepping equipment would also be seen as elitist, such as an NVG goggles. What the fuck is that? Not very good. (laughs) NVG goggles, thermal imaging and a drone. Have you got a license for a drone? What actually spurred me into what actually spurred me into being a prepper was that in December 2014 I was made redundant from the army. Right, so this is a mental breakdown. Okay? You've been made redundant for the army, the wife left you, she's taken the kids, you've got a bit of cash, you've bought yourself a fancy pair of goggles, you were hoping it was all gonna kick off with Brexit. It hasn't happened. So now you're a doomsday prepper. When that happens, it's like, okay, you're on your own two feet now, get on with it. And here we go. We have asked John, what should the average Brit be doing to prep? John says, it's a simple one. The average Brit needs to think, I'm not suggesting for a moment that they are thick. Here we go. But I'm suggesting is that they should think about what happens if the power goes off or the water doesn't come out the tap. Okay. Just ask yourself the questions. Everyone is different, so just consider a few scenarios. So you've no actually answered the question there, John. You've no actually answered the question there. Let's find out what John is most concerned about 
and why it's forced them to bet. In my opinion, we are looking at power outages and things like that. No, we only, John. If you consider if the power goes out, it might be a minor inconvenience. But what ha- what about if you pop down the supermarket and they are shut because of that power outage? Wait, why are you going to the supermarket, John? You're a fucking doomsday prepper. The supermarket's no full of cunts prepping for doomsday. So why are you there? I thought you got a, a shed full of tins and fucking dried couscous. What are you talking about? People get desperate. You need to think about longer-term power shutdowns. Why, John? Why didn't you think about this? It's not happening. Long-term power shutdowns aren't they happening. It's not in the fucking 80s. It's not happening. The average person doesn't think about if the power goes down mainstream. You can't flush the toilet. What are you talking about? What is this cunt talking about? It wasn't hard for me to prep for that stuff. Everyone can. I'm always keeping an eye for natural disasters. Flooding, for example... And it doesn't have to affect me. I'm keeping an eye out for my loved ones as well. John, John's ill. John needs help. And I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to read the rest of these fucking preppers because they all look like an absolute bunch of rockets. Doctor Sarita Robinson, forty-four. Another one, right? She, by look now, it's just a posh twat. It's a hipster. She got a bit of money. She couldn't go in a gap year. She's not going to gap year at forty-four, right? I'm going to see again a divorcee. She's went far and watched, got a bit of money in her pocket, and now she's walking about in this picture a hillside with a map. Forget it. And uh, who's the last one? Edward O'Toole. Well, look at this guy. 45. All I'm going to say is, he's wearing a leather waistcoat. That, that's enough of that. And he's got a union drag patch uh, stitched out of that waistcoat. No, no more no more needs to be said about these people. I would say if you're a doomsday prepper, you've you probably got a mental illness of some kind. Something traumatic has happened to you in your life and you've been unable to deal with it, so now you're you're putting all your time into focusing on the, the downfall of humanity and it's not going to come. So I think maybe uh, instead of, you know, hoarding tins and uh, d- dried beans and waiting for power shutdowns, that you probably need to go and make an appointment at your GP and start to talk about your mental health. Get yourself back into society. That's what I think. What a fucking nonsense news story that was right one more um, which I think is a bit fucking mad Um, this one is from Tim Green this news story another new name to us here at uh, the Battlefield News husband pranks wife by getting tattoo of her snoring on his thigh what how how is that how is that him pranking his wife now what he's doing here, uh, this guy's name is James McGraw. Now, merely the name would suggest the type of person we're dealing with here. He has a photograph of his wife asleep, looking, let's just say, extremely unattractive. Um, her head is back, her many chins are forward, her mouth is open, and she's snoring. Now, he has decided that he is going to prank his wife by getting that picture tattooed on his thigh. How is that a prank? Surely if he got that picture tattooed on her thigh, that's a prank. It's not a prank if you do it to yourself, is it? That's, that's not like corners on the street and going like, hey, you be dick, and then stabbing yourself 40 times, going, oh, look what I'm doing. That, what's, that's nothing. It's good for you. You're causing me no pain whatsoever. If she now loses him, fine. You've got a tattoo of an ugly fat bird on your leg, so nothing to do with me. Who is this guy? This 
I'm going to read this because already I'm angry. A dad is preparing himself for his wife's revenge after he tattooed a horrific photo of her snoring onto his thigh. What revenge? He has done it on his fucking thigh. What is the revenge? James McGraw and his wife Kelly have been playing practical jokes. Oh, these pair of fucking assholes. See if this turns out to just be a pair of these sad fuckers that's trying to get like, an Instagram account with a million followers when they play pranks on each other. Like she's in taking a hefty shite and he fucking puts a bag of flour in her head. People, I'm sick of people. I'm sick of fucking this planet. You know, it needs to stop, man. We need to, everyone needs to get off. James McGraw and wife Kelly have been playing practical jokes on each other for more than 24 years. 24 years? How old are you two? However, mortified Kelly claims he has now crossed the line with his latest inking. The latest round of tit for tat began when Kelly left James with a questionable haircut before he set off on a lad's holiday. A lad's holiday. The cunts in his fucking 50s. He then spoke to his tattoo artist friend Gary Stevens. I think the word artist is being used liberally here. Who spent eight hours branding him with his wife's face. James even claimed to have left James even claimed to have left his wallet at home and made his poor wife head over to the studio with three hundred pounds to pay for the artwork. Again, I'm no understanding how this is a prank here. Some fucking bam has gone to his mate's shop and got a tattoo of his wife on his leg and he's asked her to bring the money because he's no got money to pay for it and somehow this is a prank. I hate people. He said he was particularly proud of his latest stunt, adding, every time I look at my wife now, I just laugh. Well, that's a nice situation to be in, isn't it? Shut up, Siri. That's a nice situation to be in, isn't it? Every time you look at your wife, you laugh. <laughs> who who are these people, man? Who are these people? How is this? How is this even? Why is this even being shared with the world? Every time I look at my wife, I laugh. We've been playing pranks on each other for 24 years. This time I pulled out all the stops. There's no beating this. Oh, there is, James, because she'll leave you. Divorce. There's a prank that will beat it. End of story. I was in her bad books for a little bit, but she knows it was a joke. The fact I can't stop laughing whenever I see her is making it worse. I mean, that's, that's what a lovely... Do you know what? That's all you want in a marriage, isn't it? You don't want to be like married 20 years, 30 years, 40 years and every time you see your wife you think, do you know what, I am the luckiest man in the world. My wife is as beautiful now as the day I met her. You don't want that. You want something every time you see your wife you burst into laughter. That's what you want. You fucking idiot. I don't know what she's planning next. She's planning to leave you. She's planning to leave you, James. Oh... As she walked in with the kids, they were gobsmacked. They've got, they've got children. Unbelievable. Look at these two. They've got kids. There you go. What an absolutely pointless news story. I mean, I, I read some of these because some of them may be funny and some of them are also just to show you people are idiots. People are genuine fucking idiots. Not only in their life, but also the ones that then go the next step and go, I wonder if... I wonder if we should contact the papers about this. But me getting a tattoo of your big fat fucking potato head on my thigh. 
I wonder if we should do that. There is your news, good listeners. Cat breaks into a prison, stuck in a 25-foot fence. How do you survive the apocalypse, according to an ex-serviceman antidepressant? And husband apparently pranks his wife by getting her potato face tattooed on his thigh. May God have mercy on our souls. Okay, team. That's us, man. Episode 13. Uh, unlucky for some. It's the first episode of the new year, 2020. We're going to be bringing these out every single Wednesday. Wednesday is the new day for the podcast. So subscribe. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. It's also on Acast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio and iHeartRadio. Uh, whatever the fuck that is. But there's loads of ways to get it. If you are listening to the show, thank you so much to everyone who has listened. Um, if you have any friends or family, get their phone, search for the podcast and subscribe for them so that they get it straight to their phones. Every single Wednesday, a brand new episode will be coming out. And yeah, all I can say is thanks for listening. Let's build this, man. 2020 is going to be the big year that we build this podcast up. Let's get the numbers there. Let's get the subscription numbers. If you are enjoying it, leave us a wee review on iTunes. Uh, it helps move up whatever podcast channels there is so that more people can see it. Um, if you have got a topic or you've got a question, something you want to ask, get in touch. Do so through social medias. Facebook is Scott Gibson Comedy. Um, Instagram and Twitter is at Big Scott Gibson. And the website is scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. Go there for all the tickets to the tours as well. Remember, coming up January 25th, uh, East Kilbride Arts Centre is the start of the White Noise Tour for 2020. Then we roll on to Largs Barfields Theatre on February 7th and February 23rd, Webster's Theatre in our broth. Head over to the website, get your tickets and get in touch. Thank you for listening. I will speak to you all soon. I will see you in the battlefield soon. Onwards. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.